Kevin, my man, it's so, so good to see and see you and hear your voice again. How have you been, sir? I'm great, man. I'm trying to decide how I'm going to decipher from Brian Castle and Brian Moyer today, but otherwise really excited about the conversation because I have a lot of respect and uh, admiration for both of you. Well, it just kind of goes with Brian territory, does it? You know, the name Brian, by the way, means strength, virtue, and honor. And, you know, in my life, I, I can at least say I'm fairly strong. So, yeah, I think like you have one of the three and he has the other two. That's good double. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together we might honor the name. That's good. <laughs> well, I, uh, I wanted to kick off this episode I know y'all had a really special gathering there in Nashville recently. It was something you wanted to do a year ago and could not do safely due to COVID. And you took that first opportunity to do this. You, you, and I helped you think about this. I wouldn't take credit for creating it or co-creating, but I helped you think about when you created the Duffy award, which uh, honors the best of the best at Solero your high performers and people that carry the culture and named after uh, a great mentor, Mike, the late Michael Duffy uh, from Chase Payment Tech. And uh, you brought in uh, some high performers and, and, and the, I think we've had uh, about seven or eight Duffy winners, including a, a one annual super Duffy, uh, Leah Talonis. Uh, so you brought everybody in a few weeks ago and uh, even had a special speaker, fellow North Carolinian by birth, Jerry Stackhouse. Talk to us a little bit about what that retreat meant to you, uh, bringing those folks together. Yeah, first of all, it was, it was fantastic. And I think uh, the interesting thing in saying that was just naming it the Duffy Award ended up putting a lot more uh, pressure on me and some of the other uh, folks that worked for Michael um, just to have like a really good event to be sure that it was worthy of, you know, his name, frankly. And so um, we had a really great event. I mean, we had, um, we took a lot of people to the Ryman for their first uh, live show there, which was really fantastic. Some great dinners toured the CMA country music hall of fame and also uh, did the mural tour and, as you know, there's a lot of really unique art in, in Nashville. So, but uh, outside of the, the events themselves, what was cool about it was just, I think not being able to have it last year because of obviously COVID-19 and the restrictions re related. It was a really special opportunity to recognize the top 10% that helped us navigate that especially challenging business environment last year. So it even made it more special because I think at the beginning of COVID-19, I was telling my team that managing through chaos is a, is a discipline that we all want to be really great at because um, that's the differentiation between a, you know, really great leadership and, and fair leadership is managing through chaos. And um, I was really proud to you know, treat that group uh, just because they stepped up above and beyond to help us manage through a difficult year. Um, and secondly, as you know, you know, we've acquired six companies in the last three years and as such, uh, specifically the two that we acquired last year, we haven't had a lot of FaceTime with. We've done our very best to have happy hours and you know community building events virtually, but it just isn't the same. So it was somewhat profound in just being together at all. There was a moment at the first dinner, 
uh, we had a dinner at the 1230 Club, which is Justin Timberlake's new new place in, in Nashville on Broadway and a cool place. And right as everyone was gathering for the first time, I noticed that uh, one of our sales leaders from you know around Silicon Valley and one from Tampa and one from Nashville, they work in completely different disciplines in the organization, but they they were kind of walking into the restaurant and they exchanged names and you saw the immediate just you know, hugs and high fives and smiles. And that picture was kind of a poignant example of, you know, the importance of the respect that they had built from through with each other uh, virtually and through just, you know, seeing each other's names and reports and the accomplishments that they had had. But uh, seeing them together was like really special. Um, well, I have a, a similar story from Leah Talonis. Uh, she and I talk pretty regularly. Um, and she said it was just incredibly special, uh, that that retreat. And I said, what was your favorite part? And she said, the very first few minutes when we all got there. I think there was this sense of relief, almost like how a lot of people didn't see their families at all or as much for a while there. You know, like this was truly a, professional family coming together and I, I felt that coming from her heart as she told me about it yeah absolutely everyone I think felt that and I think it probably was the biggest relief for the two organizations that we've most recently acquired because while they've seen and heard the right things via you know written and, and virtual communication they hadn't really been face to face and seen what kind of company they had gotten married to <laughs> and right. I think that there was a big sense of relief, you know, from a lot of those human beings, just in seeing that we did, we did exactly what we try to do, which is combine companies that have a very similar culture. So that, that part's easy. You know, the hard parts, like obviously uh, getting through obstacles and problems and um, you know, taking the friction off of, of tough edges and such, but the culture side, you know, we've been very careful to only bring organizations into Solera that share our culture and, um, I think that that was kind of vivid um, within that within that time together. So that was that was really cool. But a lot of problem solving, um, a lot of open communication about products and technology. It was just it was a great time. Um, well, well talk for a minute about Jerry Stackhouse because I know yep. I know from our background together, uh, long before this, he was one of your idols. Um, went to Carolina. Was a fantastic player in college, had a long, very successful uh, NBA career. And now he's a leader of men uh, coaching the men's team there at Vanderbilt. Um, so from where I sit, he was a big get, you know, even for an organization I admire. I know, I know you probably felt like he was a big get for that event. Yeah, very exciting, man. Um, a little nervous meeting him because of what you're saying growing up. You know, I obviously really paid a lot of attention to Dean Smith, as you know, and and really loved his leadership style and try to emulate as much as I can of that still to this day, give all of our new employees the Carolina way. Um, but Stackhouse was a guy that I noticed early on and, you know, same time I was in college that went out of his way to be a professional and to represent his organization well. So I was a little nervous meeting him because I've I've placed him on you know, a, a pedestal of someone to look up to in that, in that arena. And man, he did not disappoint. Uh, it was definitely a unique and fun opportunity. 
I'll tell you that uh, I invite my wife to a lot of things. I'm like, hey, you're welcome to join if you want to. And she's like, oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. And she's damn sure right there in the audience ASAP for that one. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, fellow North Carolina boy. One of the things I liked a lot about him was uh, he was very comfortable in his own skin as it related to his leadership characteristics. And so I noticed, you know, he's obviously coached by Dean Smith, but he had a high sense of appreciation um, and gratefulness, especially to his mom and Dean Smith. Like I kept noticing that recurring theme of just how much people sacrificed for him. So there's no part of him that acted like he got there alone. Um, well, no, really, that, that had to resonate with you because yeah. the, one, the one person you talk about the most by mile is your mom. Yeah. And you credit a lot of your success to your mentors. Absolutely. So I thought that was really unique. Um, he had a really respectful approach to others, you know, kept saying, man, I really enjoyed hearing you speak, you know, just um, a humble approach to what he was saying. Um, his values were very set and very clear. So you could tell that he had made intentional decisions about who he was going to be and that he allowed like that compass to drive him. And I really respect that because I tell a lot of the young people that start with us, like there's always a gray. So don't just say you're going to be perfectly right and wrong. So you have to set your own levels of what you're willing to do to get where you want to get to. And don't break that, like make those decisions early on. And he's also humble in the understanding of the power of his role at impacting young men. And I really like that too, because he recognized that most of those kids aren't going to play in the NBA and that his job was not just to get the best out of them in college, but also to be a mentor as it relates to setting those character um, traits and creating, you know, good men um, and happy uh, men. And so I really, really respected that. I will tell you my favorite moment of that was I asked um, the moderator to add a question because they had, they had, they had told me they were going to ask me what my favorite Jerry Stackhouse memory was and asked the moderator to also ask if Jerry had ever disappointed me just because I knew I'd get a look from him. Like, well, are you kidding me? <laughs> so um, they asked me my favorite memory. And obviously that was going under the basket and the reverse dunk on Duke on, on Cherokee <laughs> parks, which I like to watch on <laughs> at least once a week. Uh, but, you know, they asked me what my, what I was most disappointed in Jerry for. And uh, I just kind of paused for a minute and said, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, Jerry, but I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and answer this question. And he gave me a pretty funny look. I could show you on video, but it was obviously just that he left after sophomore year because he could have played with uh, Antoine and, and Carter, which would have been insane. <laughs> <laughs> Did he try to make it up to you? Did he say, I'll do a freebie next time? Or uh, He like did uh, get a pretty big kick out of me reenacting exactly how that dunk went down. I don't know if you remember the way he walked back up the court. <laughs> so he actually got up and gave me a pretty big five thinking that was funny. So, great guy. <laughs> and he took the time to sign, take pictures, talk with people, answer questions. Just couldn't have been a better experience for the team. I was told that by a few of the participants, just what a genuine person he was and how he acted like he had all day to share that moment with them and seemed to appreciate he was among some people who really busted pretty hard to get where they're going in their careers. So it's really remarkable. Yeah. I would definitely trust, uh, him to coach my son, you know, so he's, he's a good guy. Well, what do you say we, uh, 
alter the balance of Brian to Kevin ratio and bring in our friend Brian Moyer. Do it. At Solero, we've joined forces with fintech companies across the nation to deliver affordable, bundled payment solutions that drive growth for our partners. Learn what sets us apart at solerocommerce.com. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian Moyer. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while now. Uh, I've been kind of admiring the uh, Greater Nashville Technology Council from afar uh, ever since you and I got connected on LinkedIn a few months ago. Why don't you tell us, let's kick off the podcast with you telling us a little bit about what the GTC is doing and how the tech sector is evolving. And I'll just throw in, I know it's fast evolving in Music City. Yeah, happy to. And uh, very pleased to be uh, joining you today, uh, Brian Castle. Thank you, and, Brian Moyer. And, and Kevin. <laughs> so the, the Greater Nashville Technology Council is a, a membership-based trade association. And we exist to support and drive the technology sector in, in Middle Tennessee. As, as far as kind of laying some groundwork here, maybe some, some background, the success that we're seeing in the tech sector, I think you have to give a lot of credit. Maybe there's a little bit of a chicken and egg going on here, but a lot of credit to Nashville itself, who in 2020 was had the hottest economy and in 2021 has been named the hottest economy so far this year. So when you've got that kind of an engine going, um, it's pretty easy for other parts of, of the city and the economy to, to be successful. An argument could be made, I would probably make this argument, that it's technology that's a big part of that growth that Nashville is seeing. Uh, and so I think they go hand in hand. You know, when you look at what is the actual key drivers for our economy in Nashville, and these are things that people may or may not know. Obviously, you know, the, the Music City brand, that kind of iconic brand that, that exists, that represents about $10 billion worth of economic impact and about 60,000 workers. Healthcare represents about 250,000 workers and about $50 billion. So five times wow. the impact that the music industry has. And then you fill that out with advanced manufacturing and then the tourism and, and entertainment hospitality sector. Those are the four key drivers that we have. We don't try to position technology in competition with those because that just doesn't make sense at all. We position technology horizontally as an enabler to all of those industries. And we think that's exactly where we live and exactly where, where we want to live. We don't even try to count the number of tech companies that exist, you know, years ago we did that, but it's a never you mind today because every company is a tech company. And so rather than focus on, you know, who's a tech company and not, and how many tech company, what, what's the growth of the number of tech companies? We don't look at that as much as we look at the tech workers and kind of the community as we see it of technicians, techies, as we call them, in, in the Nashville market. And what that looks like right now is about 62,000 workers representing about $8 billion worth of, worth of economic impact. So compared to some of the other areas that we might get compared to or we might compete against for opportunities, 
we're on the smaller side of the scale as far as the size of our tech workforce and the size of the technology sector, but uh, we are one of the fastest growing um, in the country. There's been a uh, just a steady and, and growing stream of tech companies that have either chosen to relocate or expand into Nashville over the past few years. Many of these you're, you're going to recognize Eventbrite, Lyft, House, Postmates, Winolo, Greenlight Medical, Go Check Kids, Social Survey, Graphite RX, Yoshi, Thanks, Darvis, Zerve, Energy Box, Facebook. Um, of course, Celero is, is in there, and we'll talk about that probably in a, in a, uh, a, separate, uh, a separate question here. And then uh, I, already, I already said Facebook, but Google Cloud, Amazon, Oracle. So you've got these huge now tech companies that have woken up to the fact that there's something going on here. When you talk to any of these companies, whether it's Eventbrite from several years ago when they made the decision, one of the first kind of name brand tech companies to, to make the decision to relocate here, or Oracle, who's one of the more recent and certainly one of the biggest to, uh, to make an announcement. They all say the same thing when asked, why Nashville? And this is from a company perspective. And the first thing out of their mouth is, it's all about the talent and the workforce. And that's not to say that where uh, there's thousands of people sitting around looking to go to work for these companies. It's that we've got this network of uh, colleges and universities, 20 different colleges and universities here with 125,000 college students in our region. People don't realize that if they're not familiar. I lived here for 15 years before I realized that, that we had that kind of a college presence. So you've got that engine that's kind of turning out talent. And then just as important or maybe more important is Nashville's a really desirable location, not just for these companies, it's desirable for these companies because that's where their workers want to live and to move to. And so it's very easy to recruit talent into Nashville. And so when they say talent, that's a big part of it because there's other parts of the country that are, they've, they've, it's really just scorched earth. You know, they've kind of taken it as far as they can and they're looking for fertile new ground that's exciting for their employees. And Nashville's at the top of those lists right now. So Kevin, you know, you pick Nashville. I know from how I know you and we talk all the time how you just freaking love it and and much less from having any regrets you've embraced it 1 million percent um what what why did you choose Nashville and I think people like you who bring companies to a place the more you expand the more you keep choosing where you chose right so give us that story yeah thanks Brian you know I like what uh, Brian spoke about with the universities and the just the pool of talent that's that's here. But it's kind of funny because I backed into that. You know, I kind of chose Nashville because of what he spoke about first, which is it's just where people want to live. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of started looking for those details to be sure it could be supported, you know, as a, as a business proposition to my private equity firm and found all those wonderful things to be true. And frankly, uh, the Nashville Technology Council was a resource as I was looking that had these statistics and um, really the resources I needed to make it uh, 
a good value proposition to present to my board. But, you know, for me, one thing I really love about Nashville is the creativity from the music industry really does spill over into the balance of the uh, disciplines of a company. So I'll just give you an example. I feel like there's a real creativity and grit to our developers and our marketers and our um, operations team as we're developing processes and uh, products and technologies to take into the marketplace. I feel like that the city of Nashville has its have, has its thumbprint on that. And I think that all kind of blends in with what the city has to offer from a creative perspective. I also think it's a city of people who are really hardworking. I think, um, you know, every level, you know, one of the things, Brian, you know, that I love is to, um, to see people develop and grow their careers. And, you know, you talked about yourself you know, being one of those early on, but I love having, you know, kind of that clay to work with of people who have their character traits in the right place. And they're also very hardworking and humble, et cetera. And I find that to be very true here, which gives us the type of workforce that we want to take good care of our clients. You know, the other thing is that just an amazing quality of life because in an industry like my own, you know, most of my competitors can process a, a payments transaction. So the differentiator becomes the people. And so when you have a people, when, you, when you're trying to attract people, um, you know, schools, community, the unique um, characteristics of Nashville, having kind of NFL, NHL, MLS, all the music, the rivers, the waterfalls, you know, it, it just creates an amazing community for people to, you know, be and raise their families. So it's a, an easy place to attract talent. So I always tell people that ask me about Nashville, I'm like, it's large enough to have 80% of what I love about big cities, but small enough to only have 20% of what I don't love about big cities. And that's, uh, that's a really, a really nice combination. So um, the last thing I'll say about, about Nashville, it's really cool is um, it's, it's small enough still that you can make a difference here. So I'll say that, you know, some of the success organizations I've been a part of have had in the past, um, you know, you blend into a really big city and you're just another one. You know, in Nashville, you can really, I think, help help massage and evolve those cultures of technology and fintech in my case. And it's, it's I think, appreciated in a different way from the city. I think my relationship with you know, partners like Pinnacle Bank and the Titans and, and frankly, Nashville Technology Council, you know, it shows that, you know, you can make a difference. And that's a, I think it's a feeling everyone really enjoys, you know, to be a part of the culture of Nashville. And that's got to be an amazing feeling for you coming from the outside, coming from Dallas and being able to feel like just three years later, because uh, you didn't really get going with your business till late 18, as I recall. Right. And to be able to have that feeling now is pretty tremendous as an entrepreneur who I know personally really cares about all of his people and their communities. Brian, I want to take us back to the very first question. Give us, give our listeners an idea about what the Greater Nashville Technology Council is and what you're doing to help this fast evolving tech sector in Music City. Thanks, Brian. The, the Greater Nashville Technology Council is a, a membership-based trade association. We, we date back to 1999 when, when a group of local business people decided that we needed an organization that was really focused on the tech tech sector. So in 99, Dell had just announced that they were opening a plant in Nashville to manufacture computers. I think 
that was the first manufacturing facility outside of the Austin area that, um, that they opened. And I think people looked around. That happens to be the, the year I moved to town. I didn't have anything to do with this, but people looked around and, and thought, oh my, you know, that things are happening and this is something that, that we need to support. So the mission for that early version of the Tech Council was to support the tech startup scene. That was really what they wanted to do. And kind of true to that calling, um, about five years into the organization, long about 2004 or so, there was a group that was incubated inside the Tech Council called the Nashville Angel Network. And that ultimately, around 2004 or so, spun out to become the Nashville Capital Network. And that still, that organization still exists today. They've raised several funds over the years and invested in dozens of, of tech startups in the area. And then about five years after that, around 2009, 2010, was our organization, my predecessor, Todd Fedling, who was CEO at the time, the, the chamber, and a bunch of other people in town um, all came together to launch the Nashville Entrepreneur Center as a home where tech companies could come to live and to receive assistance and to be mentored and, and incubated in their, in their early lives. So at that point, uh, again, I'm a business owner from the outside looking in, and what I saw the Tech Council do was kind of take a step sideways and say, okay, we've got the Nashville Capital Network, we've got the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, they're, they're kind of taking care of, uh, of the startup scene, the tech startup scene, and so we're going to focus a little more broadly on um, technology, and that was the start, the beginnings of our focus on the workforce. Today, we execute on four different pillars, which is connect, unite, develop, promote. We produce about 100 events a year designed to bring the tech community together, focuses on the community, uh, to educate, to allow them to network. We're very involved in a lot of what we'll talk about today is economic development activity. We're very involved in those activities, both outward you know, making trips to Silicon Valley and to Canada and to the UK and to Washington, D.C. and other areas, telling the story of Nashville and trying to rec both recruit companies here, but also look for new markets for our member companies to do business. And then lastly, we spend a, a great deal of time in workforce development. We believe very strongly that the future of economic development is all about the talent. Uh, as you talk to companies that are moving here, that, that's what they say is important to them is, is that talent. And so it's so important to us or our board that in 2018, two and a half years ago, they established the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal to double the size of our tech workforce by 2025. And we've kind of been marching down that road for the last two and a half years to try and make that happen. So Brian, I, I was struck by your background uh, prior to running the GTC. Uh, you spent most of your career as an entrepreneur, founder and executive at several Nashville uh, health tech companies. What were the parts of the ecosystem in Nashville that helped you grow your teams and find success? So I still wear that entrepreneur's hat that never goes away. It doesn't matter. 
I mentioned that I, I came here in 99, which was the year that the, the Technology Council was, was created. And so I joined the NTC uh, when I came. I heard that they were starting this organization. I thought, this is something I ought to be a part of. And I was a terrible member. You know, <laughs> this is a member we would kick out today because I joined and I didn't attend anything because I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I, I've got to build a company. You know, I have more important things to do. And uh, so I was, I was foolish in that respect to, to not take advantage of some of the resources that were available. But if I had to uh, talk to somebody today who was coming to town or looking to start a company, I would say, certainly you've got resources like the Technology Council, uh, the Entrepreneur Center, the various uh, area chambers of commerce, um, but really just as important and I think maybe more important than that is the community that, that we keep talking about because we, we like to say that you can get a first appointment with anybody in town. The second appointment you have to earn but the first appointment you can get and people coming here from either coast just can't believe how easy and accommodating, particularly the business community is to sit down and talk and, and uh, help out in any way they can. We, we went through an exercise uh, at the beginning of 2020 before um, all the craziness hit and the things that came out of that, that our board, that our team, that various people in the tech community that we talked to felt were important, that defined the technology council, that defined the Nashville's tech scene, the words that kept coming up were collaborative, inclusive, uh, creative. And those are words that we stand on and that we really highlight as we're talking about the community. And so I would say, you just need to lean in. You need to not be afraid to reach out and, and uh, ask to see people, you know, don't go in trying to sell them, go in asking, you know, uh, to describe what they do and what you're trying to do and just have a conversation. And I think there's a community here that would support anyone that's, that's wanting to move in. Kevin, where do you see, you know, as now as a, as a person running a multi-million dollar business there? Where do you see Nashville stacking up, especially with some of these other so-called flyover markets that are emerging in importance? For companies that want to have sustainable outcomes versus just a you know, quick journey, I think Nashville's ahead already. And the reason I say that is, you know, from a human perspective, it's not a flyover state at all. It's a fly into state, right? People want to be in Nashville. And that's had a huge impact on our organization. You know, it's such a one-of-a-kind city that almost every person that I've offered to relocate to Nashville, whether it be from Silicon Valley, Dallas, New York, Philadelphia, Tampa, they've said yes. Just because, like, I don't know if I want to relocate. Where's the role of Nashville? I don't know. Let me talk to my family and get back to you. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, prospects, customers, partners, vendors, I mean, every time I say, hey, I can come out to, uh, you know, Chicago and meet with you, or you can come to Nashville, and they're like, we'll just come to Nashville. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's, we all laugh about it, but I've found in my three years here that that's a dynamic driver of, of a differentiation, because you know, we want to train partners, we want people to be here, we want, you know, those close relationships, and this city gives us a unique opportunity to entertain people and build rapport. 
Um, and it's also a much more attractive business climate. Um, taxes, traffic, hassle, uh, better place to live, entertainment opportunities. You know, it's just a very easy city to do business in, which I think puts us, you know, at a unique spot on the map. And, and then, you know, for me, you know, one of the first three lunches I had when I moved to Nashville was, was with Brian. And it was just Jeff and I and an idea. He came up into my WeWork office and I told him what we were going to, how we were going to try to take over the world. And he acted like he believed me, but he probably laughed when he left. But, you know, we... Um, Not at we, all. <laughs> but he was unbelievably supportive and, you know, highlighting that something special is happening here has helped us a lot in our own marketing. Cultivating the developer community has helped us a ton. Most importantly, connecting people with opportunities. And so when we've had unique opportunities that may be hard to fill, he's been a great resource in his organization in helping connect us to resources that we could find those assets and then ad advocating for a, big, a good business climate. So I think that this organization has been a pretty big feather in Solero's hat specifically. Well, you just said a lot of the stuff, but I thought we would wrap this episode up with, Kevin. <laughs> um, so the way I'll wrap it up is thanking Brian. Really appreciate you, especially for um, all you do. I, I know you, you, you're doing a, a combination of soft and hard stuff, the advocacy, you know, the lobbying, but then also that, that softer side of business, the connecting, uniting. I think that's so important to uh, keep your eye on the ball on that. And your organization is so masterful at that. And kudos to you for carrying that culture forward. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. See you, buddy. Because We Had To is presented by Solero Commerce on the Park Life Podcast Network. Subscribe for more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud.